Hi, my name um, is Judith Hannon, and I am a writer and teacher, and I have a special interest in talking about illness and the body. And my most recent book is The Right Prescription, and we'll get to talking about how that book came into being in a little bit. But first, I want to introduce you to Jody Oberfelder. Hi, Jody. Hi, Judy. Hi. So, Jody is, um, how would I say this? Jody has moved beyond dancer and choreographer to what I see as a creator of experiences um, that use art to explore mm. the body. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if that's the way you would describe it, but Jody, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about your history and what you're doing now? Well, I've always been attracted to movement. I mean, I think it was the way I expressed myself as a young person. Didn't realize that there was a formal art called dance. I thought you had to be really great in ballet or uh, technical sport like uh, gymnastics or skating. And when I was in college, I walked into an improvisation class and realized that you could make art out of ideas and concepts to do an improv focusing on time or an improv focusing on direction, uh, an improv focusing on levels. Uh, There was a traditional teaching that went through the Nikolai Murray Lewis School. Uh, I ended up, after going to SUNY Purchase for a couple years, studying with uh, Murray Lewis and Owen Nikolai, and this was the late 70s. So as time went on, I realized I wanted to make my own pieces and not really dance in a formal company. Uh, I've done everything from stories like Dido and Aeneas and The Soldier's Tao to more abstract work, just pushing boundaries of physicality. I love really physically juicy movement. I suppose I'm a little influenced by breakdance, which uh, I picked up while I went up to teach modern dance in the Bronx. And the kids said, no, no, you learn what we do. So I ended up learning how to spin on my head, backspin, and it seeped into my vocabulary. I still stand on my head a lot. Um, but the the genesis of pure movement to having other people experience movement as a sensation like smell that goes directly to the brain is what I'm interested in now. At first, I was interested in the heart. Yeah. Right. So why don't you start with um, the heart? Because I think, well, we should always start with the heart, I guess. It's it's our center, I think. Um, But... um, so when you, well, maybe not just with the heart, but mostly when you started that heart piece is when you brought in so many other ways of, or, or, or your vocabulary vocabulary expanded so far beyond just movement. I mean, I remember in um, The Soldier's Tale, you had some other media there, which I just thought you were a master at, at blending, so it didn't look like, oh, look at me, I'm using all this media. But with the heart piece, you really went way beyond. And so what interested you about the heart and <clears throat> what were the tools that you used to to explore the heart? Because I realized that, that yes. Yeah. 
it was like the physical heart, the, the, the beating heart. Exactly. Well, the the genesis of that piece came from a conversation with a cardiologist who, when she found out I was a dancer, said, oh, I tell all my patients post-surgery to put on music that they love and move around to it. Uh, that will make their heart walls stronger. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm. that's just beautiful. Uh, I like this idea very much and made a piece first where the dancers were wearing heart monitors and their Motions were tracked by a sound engineer. And then I decided to bring it to more people uh, in a more intimate way by building an installation. Um, My husband, Jürgen Rehm, is an architect. He helped with this uh, spatial organization. We decided together which rooms, which way the blood would flow, how the audience would traffic through. Uh, Each audience member had one docent, uh, so the ratio was pretty... The docents were dancers who were more or less guides to have a rich experience in different modalities in each room, one more visual, one more uh, physical, actually dancing with one of the dancers, one more psychological and wearing heart capturing pulse rate, uh, what they called, I'm forgetting the name, you slip it on your finger. Uh, um, Oxygen. It starts with an O. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Dominoes for a car, so that's not what we're talking about. But <laughs> um, Well, as a pretend shrink who was filmed would ask questions, the audience members were taped live with their answers and always reflecting on what was happening with their heart according to each question. And the final room was a pulsing room that really felt like you were inside of a heart and the the walls were foam covered with red, stretchy fabric, really bright crimson red. And the audience was pretty still as the dancers just charged against the walls and it just, the whole room just kind of thudded and you felt like inside your heart. It, I really loved that. I, so I, I was... Uh, I was there for that. <laughs> and first of all, I, the part where you were asked questions as a storyteller and, you know, words are kind of what I look to first. I mean, I did train as a musician when I was younger, and the power of music and movement um, is very, very strong in me. Uh, but I, I have recently found myself more gravitating towards, not so recently, gravitating towards words. And I just thought that section was <clears throat> fascinating and also kind of a little creepy because it was this this kind of like voice on high in a way asking you these questions. Um, and it kind of added to the whole, um, like, what is my heart doing in this moment? And then the last section cool. where you say that the audience was pretty still, while we were still, what was happening inside while... Um, your dancers were basically flinging themselves around, um, was far from still. It was a very, very visceral experience and a very, I think, powerful example of how art can can really connect you to the heart. I mean, you were so conscious of of beating, whether it was your own heart or this massive uh, bodies moving in and out, this throbbing. Uh, It's very powerful. Well, thank you. Uh, What I'm working on now, 
uh, it's a little bit more complex uh, from the heart moved into the brain because I realized your heart is actually controlled by your brain saying we need more oxygen, we need to pump harder and we need to calm down and have your uh, other softer side kick in. So with the brain, I'm looking for the same kind of reflection of what is going on in the body with the brain being part of the body. I want the audience to connect uh, and spark new relationship between body and mind while they're watching, while they're experiencing. I do ask questions in this piece too. It's not an installation. It's not quite as intimate, although I would love to do it as an installation. Uh, it can be a performance lecture. Uh, right now it's forming as a film and surround a brain kind of proscenium piece. If I could get the films all around the audience, that's what I would ideally like, a big, you know, rounded room. <laughs> so it really feels like you're right. in the brain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it works well with uh, projections on the floor and the back wall. Uh, uh, there's a film called Dance of the Neurons that's based on all the fun things that the brain does and the birth of neurons to making new connections. It's It's great. So what kind of um, research did these projects require? Oh, wow. Well, my bookshelf is full of books about the brain, the emotional brain, uh, where we've come from with our brains, where we're going with our brains, a lot of essays. But mostly through conversations, I've found the more fascinating connections with people and their ideas. And they're always interested. Neuroscientists like to talk to artists because they see what they do in the lab also as experimentation and discovery. So when they talk to me, they're like, oh, well, I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Questions that I have posed to them make them think about their normal way of going about things with laboratory experiments that have a definite concrete result. I think art can't really um, be as concrete because art is as individual as the person interacting with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that we can in all, a way... Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, we can all read the same book, but there'll be one sentence that jumps out at me that's different than a sentence that jumps out at you. Uh, exactly. that might speak more powerfully. And we have certain tools in dance that, you know, are classical, like the line from upstage right to downstage left, Doris Humphrey said, was the most powerful diagonal. I tend to think people see a little bit more dimensionally than that. <laughs> uh, I well, think people can get riled to, up. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting what you say about um, how uh, the how art allows some of the medical professionals to see their work <clears throat> a little bit differently because of the whole field of um, narrative medicine, which has turned out a 
my bookshelves are filled with both patient and doctor narratives. Um, any hypochondria that I used to have, I certainly had to get over because I've been reading lots of really, um, you know, um, uh, deep stories about illness and recovery and sometimes not recovery. Um, and I think what writing has done for a lot of the medical professionals is to to look more deeply, to realize that uh, when they meet with a patient and get their information, they're really receiving a story, and they have to create a story out of what they've heard. And the more the more exposure they have to that process, both learning how to go more deeply into stories and reading other people's stories, I do. I think it changes how they practice and how they see their patients. Um, and it that is kind of what inspired me to write. Well, first, my first book, Motherhood Exaggerated, as you know, is about my uh, daughter when she had cancer. She was eight years old then, and she's 24 now, also a dancer, yay. And um, mm-hmm. you kind of to explore my experience as a mother, what happened to me as a mother during that time, which I don't think I would have been able to arrive at if I had just sat and thought to myself about the experience. But when I wrote that book, and I think you're probably finding with your audiences too, that as soon as you open up a story to people, they then want to tell their stories. They want to become a part of it, and they want to share their own stories. And so that's why I wrote um, my second book, The Right Prescription, um, which is a subtitle, um, Telling Your Story to Live With and Beyond Illness. Because I think that um, you talk about space in dance, and when I think about space in writing, I think about opening a story up so that it includes um, not just the limited story of the illness, but of everything that's going on around you. And I want people to open up their stories so that they can find more meat within them. And so the right prescription isn't so much for, isn't so much narrative medicine, which is kind of an academic discipline, as what I'm starting to call narrative healing. Um, It's for patients and caregivers and Mm. survivors, to family members to explore the experience of what happened to their body. Um, so I think it's very similar to what you are doing through um, through both words, but dan- through movement and some of the multimedia forms that you use. Um, Absolutely. And I, I feel if you keep... Uh, if you keep encased in your own body, in your own mind and don't interact with others or find a form to be honest with your experiences, then you might just, you know, curdle because you don't have that outpouring. Um, I'm not saying my work is gushy, expressive. I want to leave enough porousness within the work so an audience member feels like they're making discoveries. Like, mm-hmm. This is not a didactic, this is how the brain works kind of presentation. I would say, I would paraphrase and say, you, you while watching audience, are collecting your own data, 
your own reactions. And we're just providing a frame, like a giant brain for us all to be in. And uh, think about strong questions about, you know, does your body have a mind of its own? Uh, what's the difference between the mind and the brain? Where does the mind live? Where does the brain live? And one of my dancers answers rhetorically, everywhere in the body. And that leads to more questions. I do act a little bit like Jerry Springer in this one and run around <laughs> asking the audience questions. It's a little intimidating for some, uh, but others like it. And we do move yeah. with the audience uh, to give them a sense of the weight of their head. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about it, you can put your hand on somebody's heart and feel their heartbeat. But when you put their hand on their skull, you can't feel their thoughts. So what are we left with? We have language. We have uh, sensorial uh, methods of gaze and touch, uh, sharing experiences, taste. You know, sitting down for a meal is one of the most interactive ways that we all, you know, form ritual. Actually, in in, um, in the right prescription, I do have a a prompt that's called uh, Sense and Sensibility, which is really about the senses. And one of the um, prompts that I give is to write about a meal. Um, and it came about for a variety of reasons, but my father, uh, who died a couple of years ago from Alzheimer's disease, as so many of his senses were taken away from him, food was one of the ones that stayed, not till the end, but almost till the end, as did sight um, and some touch. So, you know, when you when your dancer asked, you know, where is the brain? It's everywhere. You know, it's, they now know that the skin is this huge sensory organ that, you know, that you wouldn't think about before. I mean, the way the body functions is, is you used the word porous before, and I think that you can't separate one part from the other to say, you know, what is what is this and, you know, where is this and where is that? And I find that when people come to write, that whole um, separation of parts of themselves gets to be a problem. They either write from the brain and it's disconnected from the heart or they only write, like they used the word gushy before, they only gush without any kind of reflection. or They're, they're all very important stages, but um, to... To, to get deeper, you kind of have to break down those barriers, um, which is what I, I try think also, to do. We're living, in the, we're living in this time where uh, it's very hard. Uh, I mean, we're not going out in the field and using our body for, you know, practical means. Our practical means are all sitting with our fingertips touching keyboards. So there is... A, well, I want to say two things. It, it's the, to- the time is right for people to reconnect with their body and with their own creative uh, you know, ink flow onto paper. I mm-hmm. think differently when I write or you know, draw little bubbles, idea boards, whatever. They're, they're not the same as you, if you make a list on your notepad on your iPhone. 
And I also wanted, there was an article in New Yorker magazine this week about the advancement in prosthesis, prosthesis, say it, (laughs) I can't say it. So that you think, (laughs) artificial limbs, exactly. So that you're thinking and willing, I mean, don't even, the muscle twitch is such a fast fire uh, from thought. I mean, this is why I think dance can go directly into the brain, that it's not as Mm -hmm. abstract as everybody thinks. And the fact that it's done by people, there's something to relate to. And maybe that's harder to see a language that isn't words, that isn't a story all the time. Uh, That's why I want to give people this back and forth weaving of their own processes of discovering thought and idea with uh, layers of physical connection woven in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that... Perception. um, Yeah. I think that's very much what writing does as well. Like you say, I mean, it's it's a little bit more concrete when you're reading words, but people do put their own interpretation on it, and they come at it with their own experiences. and, And it isn't always just, you know, one one singular way to to read something and the parts of when you read i mean it's also i find it anyway to be a physical experience and writing is certainly a physical experience for me anyway it, it alters um actually i was at the at the doctor's a couple of weeks ago and he was running very very late so i always come with books and writing and things like that wherever i go so I wrote while I was waiting, and I had the lowest blood pressure ever <laughs> because, you know, they've done studies that, that writing is good for your blood pressure. Um, so, you know, it, it, all of this stuff has, has physical impacts that I think we're only now just beginning to understand. And, of course, for me, while I'm certainly not a professional dancer, the, the movement and music was ingrained in me since I was four, three or four years old. Um, it was very important to my mother. And um, it's an outlet for me. I mean, I wouldn't ever want anybody to see me dancing around my my bedroom, but I do it, and, um, and it alters me um, in so many ways. So, well, um, we're attracted to motion. We are. Yeah. I mean, everything would be otherwise static and solid. I'm just looking out the window. It's gorgeous spring weather and the leaves are pretty active blowing in this window. I'm looking out. I'm in New York City too, so this little courtyard uh, where I'm looking out just looks so beautiful to me and it makes me think well, my mind is moving. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about it, to it say tickles something thing. inside. I'm actually on Martha's Vineyard looking out the window and the ocean is out in front of me with white caps, but what I'm actually looking at more than the ocean, which is hard to take my view away from the ocean, is the tall grasses, because the wind here right now is about 25 miles an hour, and the grasses look like mm. their own ocean. They're moving and waving and looks like they're actually traveling someplace, the way they're moving around, so it is very active here. Um, and I always think, so, you know, they're just one more thing about my book and then we'll we'll close um, with one more thing that you want to say but I actually have a section in my book about waiting and that waiting itself is also a very active 
um, existence, a place, a state of being that looks like you're still, but when we're waiting, our minds are busy, and um, even we're probably fidgeting and doing all kinds of things to combat this feeling of waiting and how do we get through the process of waiting. Um, I can't believe you just said that because what was on the tip, yeah? What was on the tip of my tongue before you said that was, we're overlapping. I hope I'm not interrupting. (laughs) No, no, no. There's a a little time delay here, so go ahead. Okay. So I was just going to say, in terms of observing motion, you know, I ride my bike all around the city and when I do stop at a stoplight, I've made it my business to not take out my phone and like check and see if anybody's trying to contact me in the last 10 blocks, but to just be still at the light and kind of glaze my eyes over just a little bit and use my um, peripheral vision and just notice all the motion of cars. And mm-hmm. it's really amazing because it's almost like a moving art piece in front of me. Yeah. And I'm, using that as information of how fast I go and these moments of stillness then have the contrast of action outside of me. I hope that when people experience my work, my, my piece, the brain piece, that their bodies are having that same experience of it just kind of cycling through and their minds are also in their bodies and their bodies feed information to their minds because there's this mirror neuron thing that happens when you watch dance. You you are in the bodies. You're kind of going through it with them. Just like when we hear oh, music, twitch, we're singing a song in our head. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I want yeah, a whole no, audience of Judy Hannon's. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I find that all of a sudden I'll find my, my arm kind of twitching up um, almost in anticipation of what's going to the next movement or something. It's a, it's a funny little phenomenon. Um, so, Jody, if people want to learn about what you're doing and where they can see your work, what's the best way for them to find that out? On my website, it's jodyoberfelder.com. Uh, there's a J-O-D-Y. page for schedule for J-O-D-Y and then just how it sounds, O-B-E-R-F as in Frank, E-L-D-E-R.com. And that's German for over the field. <laughs> Little side I note. I never knew that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Once I okay. sang in a band in Germany, and they didn't want to introduce me as Jody Oberfelder, they wanted to give me a more American name, so they called me. And from New York, Jody Upperfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Who's that? I don't know anybody. But... Yeah, that's um, me. All right. Well. <gasps> well. I'm Judith Hannon, and if anybody wants to reach me, my website is um, Judith. Uh, what is it? It's Judith Hannon, J-U-D-I-T-H-H-A-N-N-A-N, writes, W-R-I-T-E-S, JudithHannonWrites.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Judith Hannon. Jody, do you have a Twitter? I do. It's at Jody Oberfelder. <laughs> yeah. We're all so creative. <laughs> oh, well. Um, well, yeah. my Instagram's at Jody Ober. <laughs> I, I really like all these formats where people can find you. Um, yeah. Because you never know what's going to inspire you. And mm-hmm. often it, it is a line that somebody says on Facebook or Twitter or yeah. just a flash of a photo. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. 
And and I think right, you know, getting people to come to live performance is not easy. It's you know, it's it's temporal. Uh but mm-hmm. I hope that also experiences with the art last longer, that when you're moved it somehow just cell cellularly gets inside of you so that it becomes part of you and you become part of it, you interact with the art. Yeah. Well, I would vouch for that. Um, Yay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Jody, thank you for talking to me. Thank and, you, Judy. Um, and we'll talk soon. <laughs>